Cameron and Lindsay here. Uh, we've been in this series called At The Movies and due to copyright issues, we can't show you the clips that they're actually watching in the room. And so we're gonna try to describe the clip. And uh, this is a great movie. It's a true story that we're watching today. It's called Hidden Figures. And it follows basically the true story of these three incredible women that got their start at NASA, uh, Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Dorothy Vaughn. Do you wanna set up what's happening in the scene? Yeah, I'd love to. So imagine it's the 1960s, it's the race to space. NASA is trying to send the first American into space. And so you see this big um, airport terminal and these pilots are all arriving and being greeted by a welcoming committee from NASA. And the very first thing you notice, at least I did, is that this welcome committee has been separated by color. You have the employees who are white and the employees who are black. I mean, it was very, it was very unsettling to see, but you just, that's the first thing you see. And you see all these pilots coming up to the welcome committee and they're greeting all of the employees. And one of those is John Glenn. Yeah, and as John Glenn's making his way down the line, uh, they kind of make, uh, mentioned, hey, we're on a time crunch. And he basically says, hey, I haven't greeted everybody yet. I haven't shaken all the hands yet. Right, right. And um, goes across the boundary mm -hmm. to shake the hands of the women that are the three main characters of our story. And uh, and I might point out too, uh, the, the boss of NASA, the one who's in charge of the mission, um, at this point also kind of says, okay, it's time, time to go. And that'll be a key point in our story. Let's see what Matt has to say about this clip. So this is an interesting movie. How many of you have seen Hidden Figures? Yeah, it's a Disney movie uh, out a few years ago, I think in um, maybe 2017. I actually had never heard the story behind the movie Hidden Figures, but as we started putting it together, I thought um, this was the perfect one for Mother's Day, and here's why. Because so often, my mom was the hidden figure behind our family. She went unnoticed by so many people, and she did so much for our family. Um, I was texting her this morning, um, and I just said, Mom, thanks for all you sacrificed, but more than that, thank you for loving us the way that you did. And um, so often, moms are doing things behind the scenes that no one else is doing. So McDowell, can we celebrate our moms, the hidden figures, in so many ways? Yeah. Um, so moms, we, we are celebrating you today. There's some things in the lobby that we, we want uh, for you to experience. There's a, I hope I say this right, charcuterie board, a chocolate charcuterie board, a, a charcuterie board out there just for you. There's some, uh, uh, for all the women, there are some coupons that we're going to hand out for a free drink. So grab one on your way out. Um, but there's something for all of us to be learned in this movie. It is a powerful movie. And as you can see in the opening scene, there were some people who were separated. And the story is about these women who are doing so much behind the scenes, and they've been hidden, set aside. And uh, many people don't know that they were instrumental, they were key, they were necessary in getting a man into space in getting a man into orbit and eventually landing on the moon. And yet, they're names were really never known by those who were traveling. And so I thought, what a great movie for us to tackle on Mother's Day. Um, we're going to be tackling these themes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about hidden 
those who are hidden and unseen. We're going to talk a little bit about justice and our voices and the things uh, that are important for us as followers of Jesus. And I think there's something for you today, regardless of who you are. So are we ready? Okay, now here's the good news about today. If you were here last week, you know that um, it was a heavy, heavy, heavy movie that we looked at and a subject matter that was pretty heavy. We talked about forgiveness and the challenges of forgiveness. And I um, lost all track and sense of time. And um, I didn't even, it's so funny, in the first service, I didn't even realize that I had lost track of time until Monday when someone was like, man, you were a little long on, on, on Sunday. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, it wasn't long. And they were like, go back and watch the video. And I realized, oh, okay, we got a little bit long. So here's the deal today. The deal today is that the movie um, has such powerful lessons and can stand on its own. So here's what I want to do. I want to show us uh, three more clips. We're going to walk through three clips of this movie. And I'm going to share some passages of, of Scripture that will just highlight some things and then ask just a couple of questions to nudge you in a certain direction. Does that sound good? Okay. And... Um, People always ask, why do we do a movie series? What is it about at the movies? Jesus taught using parables, which were stories in his day and age. The reason he taught using parables is because stories have a way of capturing our heart, and God is much more interested in getting to your heart than he is just getting to your mind. The mind is one thing. The heart is something completely different, and God wants your heart. And so these stories will help get into the heart. So when it comes to uh, injustice, and hidden voices. The Proverbs tell us this, those who plant injustice will harvest disaster. Those who plant injustice eventually will harvest. Um, some people in the world call this karma. Uh, some people in the world say you will reap what you so you've heard that before. In Proverbs, those who plant injustice will eventually harvest disaster. In Titus, uh, we have some instructions for believers, and it says this uh, for believers, that the, the believers should not slander anyone and must avoid all quarreling. I think our, the, the, the world of Christianity would be very different if we would just take this one passage of Scripture and try to live that out. Like if we would stop fighting and quarreling, and then he, he says, instead, we should be gentle and show true humility. What's that next phrase? To everyone. That as followers of Jesus, if you claim Christ, that you should, in, in the ways that you live and interact with other people, you should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. This is what Christ did for us. So the question in this section is, is simply this. Um, are there people in your life, at home, at work, in your regular schedule, in your school, who are unseen or unheard, and will you intentionally try to see them this week, and will you try to listen to them this week? Now, I want you to think about your home. Is there anyone in your home that feels unseen and unheard? Is there anyone in your business, your, uh, your vocation, or if you're a student in your school, in your classroom, is there anyone there who maybe is unseen or unheard? Is there anyone in your, your hobby, your gym, those kind of places that you could intentionally see 
and hear. Um, so in the story, Catherine, Dorothy, and Mary are the three women that this, the, the, the movie continues to trace. And uh, their boss, in a sense, is trying to make sense of the division in our country, racism, that was, was present in a, in a terrible way. And we see a transformation in him. He was the one who spoke up and said, it's okay, but then went back over and said, hey, it's time. We got we to gotta get moving because uh, there are things to do. So we're going we're gonna to trace this throughout, try to find the, the truth, the sermon in it for you at a heart level. Here we go. Hey, everyone. We're back. Sorry that we can't show you this clip online. They are watching it in the room, but that's what we're here for. We're here to kind of walk you through what's happening in this next scene. Cameron, do you want to set it up? Yeah, sure. What we see in this scene is Catherine, the lead character in the movie, uh, running through the rain. Yeah. And by this point in the movie, if you've watched the movie, you know that she's doing this frequently. Yeah. Um, but her boss this time notices she's gone. She's not at her desk and he doesn't know why. Yeah. And uh, we see that she's running to the restroom. Yes. And she's got, she's taking work with her. She's actually taking everything. She's trying to conserve time. She's doing everything that she possibly can. And it's completely unfair mm -hmm. that she has to go how far? It says half a mile away. She says that in the movie. She says, I'm running half a mile away. Um, the bathroom, when you see it, is obviously not tended to. It's like a forgotten bathroom. There's no builds, soap. There's, there's no soap. There's no hand towels. It's just, it's, it's really sad to see that all the lengths that she has to go to to just go to the restroom yeah. so yeah and so when she gets back mm -hmm. um we see her boss uh he actually says where where do you go mm -hmm. for 45 minutes every yeah. day you're yeah. gone and at this moment she has to decide is she going to reveal something you know she's not supposed to complain about right. it she's just supposed to do what she's right. she's told and um and she does, mm -hmm. and I love it. It's a powerful scene. She begins to basically call out everything that's wrong with segregation, mm -hmm. uh, even at NASA, mm -hmm. and that she can't even go to the bathroom in the building that they're in, and um, and then she can't use the same coffee pot. It's actually like, um, it's, it's a hard scene yeah. kind of for me to watch. But I mean, she was the only woman in that room. She's the only um, black woman. You know, mm -hmm. it was it's a room full of white men mm -hmm. watching her very honestly explain the conditions that she is in and i love how mr harrison her boss played by kevin costner mm -hmm. he responds in a very surprising way it's like he didn't even really understand that she was dealing with all of this injustice yeah. and he takes action yeah. he um rips the, got the crowbar yeah yeah <laughs> and he rips the sign off of the coffee pot that says colored he's like nope no more. And he goes, grabs a crowbar, and knocks down the sign that segregates the bathrooms. Yeah. And what's the line that he says? Yeah, at the he very says, end? "Here at NASA, we all pee the same color," which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin Costner delivers that line perfectly. Mm -hmm. And actually, this scene actually made me pretty emotional because of yeah. uh, just all the injustice that we see. Yeah. And Kevin Costner, you see this character start to transform and notice things that he hadn't noticed before. Yeah. So let's take a listen to what Matt has to say about this. Wow. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you do when you see injustice? What do you see when people have been marginalized and set aside, unseen and unheard? What do, you, what do we do with that? In the Old Testament, uh, Micah, one of the prophets, he says this. I love this passage. Do what is right 
do the right thing. And I think he means regardless of what anyone else is doing, do the right thing. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And that's a pretty powerful passage of Scripture. It's another one that if we just lived that out, it'd be world-changing. Do the right thing. Love mercy and walk humbly with God. Don't let evil conquer you. Uh, it, it, it is so easy in our world to just go with the flow. Now stay with me. Don't, don't drift off. It's so easy in our world to just go with the flow. To, ju- to just go with the stream of culture. And in Romans, Paul is saying that we, we have to work to not let evil conquer us. And here's what we do. Here, here's the Here's the switch, is that we conquer evil by doing the right thing, by doing good, by thinking about our choices, by thinking about how our choices and our words impact the people around us, by looking for those who are unseen and unheard. Uh, One of the things I love about the transformation in this story is um, there's, there's this leadership lesson So for those of you who are leaders in the room, you're a manager, you're leading a business or a company, you're leading your family, here's something that's just a leadership axiom that I think is so true, and it's this, the greatest leaders find ways to help others succeed. The greatest leaders in our our world aren't those who, who lord power over other people or use, misuse power over other people. The greatest examples of leaders are those who serve others and raise them up to help others succeed. And um, just a side note, moms, you do this so well. You serve in a way that raises your children up. And, and I would guess every mom in the room, every grandma in the room, what you want more than anything else is for your kids to succeed, right? To be whole, to walk humbly with God. And you sacrifice so much for that. Well, the, the story in the movie, if you haven't seen it, it just continues and changes begin to happen at NASA because they begin to do the right thing, to love mercy and to walk humbly. And we'll see the transformation continue. Here's the next one. Hi, everyone. We are back with another clip from the movie Hidden Figures. Again, we can't show this clip online, but they're watching it in the room. And so we'll try to set it up for you. Mm -hmm. What's happening here in this scene? Yeah, so in this scene, you really start to see how integral Catherine's knowledge is. And part of the reason that's so um, pivotal for her is that she cannot come to these briefings. You know, we all hear about briefings in NASA. Yeah, the Pentagon briefings yeah, that are taking place. All these major briefings, and they're having this very important briefing with John Glenn and these very important people, um, and they're trying to calculate something very specific, where he will land. Yeah. And Catherine is in charge of those numbers, and she can't go into the briefing, and so she is having this struggle with her supervisor of saying, like, how can I, come, how can I give you proper information if I can't even come to the briefing, I, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. And so she has some really interesting yeah. dialogue. You have a couple of notes about that. I yeah. loved it. Oh yeah. Well, and Mr. Harrison actually comes out of the briefing saying, come on, we got to get in there. And he's like, she's like, I can't give you the numbers if I'm not there to help 
figure out what's going on. Right. And then he says, who's the boss? Who's, who makes the decisions? And she actually says, you, sir, you just have to act like one. <laughs> and I love it because, again, Kevin Costner's character is having this dilemma of, what do I do? And so he makes a decision mm -hmm. to let her into the briefing. Yeah. Everybody's surprised. Yes, when she walks in that room, because not only is she a woman of color, but she is a woman. And there are just men sitting around this table and she walks in and you could hear a pin drop. They're like, what is happening? Why is she here? There's no precedence. Yeah, and he says, don't say a word, just listen, you know? And then they start uh, asking questions and the guy that is supposed to be answering like can't find the numbers and she hasn't memorized. Like, yeah. how fast are we going? We're going 17,544 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And so then she starts getting involved just because they're on a time crunch. Right. It's very important. All the details have to be perfect right. to launch the rocket, to have it land right. in a certain space. And then she starts writing on the chalkboard. Yeah. The and everybody starts paying attention because yeah. it's obvious she knows what she's doing. Yeah, I, the men very quickly realize they need Catherine, they need her mind, they need her brilliance in order to truly know how to make this a success. I mean, they're mm -hmm. launching a man into space, they're stressed out, and Catherine has the answers if they will just listen to her and let her be a part, like invite her to the table, so to speak. So I love that you see that just she has a win here mm -hmm. and they see how important she really is to the whole mission. She does all the numbers perfectly, and then John Glenn ends kind of with him saying, I like her numbers. <laughs> it's really good. Let's check out what Matt has to say about this clip. Wow. So sometimes I like to think about voices at a table. What voices have you included at your table? Now, the truth is, and let's just be honest, you can't in include every voice at your table, can you? If you're a business leader, you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, every voice wants to be at the table, but I can't include every voice at the table. But are there voices that are being excluded that need to be at the table? That's the question. Are, are, there, are there voices that have been set aside, marginalized, are there voices that are unheard that need to be at the tables we all are a part of? That's the question. Um, in Romans, Paul writes this, God does not show favoritism. Aren't you thankful for that? God does not show favoritism. Like we're all on level footing when it comes to God, our Father. In, in James, uh, James, the half-brother of, of Jesus, he says this, how can you claim to have faith in Christ if you favor some people over others? James was um, pushing forward the idea among the, the early Christians, the, the early church, that we cannot favor some people while we marginalize other voices, that the church should be a place of equality that voices at the table are important. And here's what we believe about God, that God loves everyone, no one excluded. Ah, oh, I thought there might be an amen there. God loves everyone, no one excluded. Do we? Do, do we? Um, so the question, when it comes to justice and our voices is this, are there ways that we might be contributing to an injustice, and how can we use our voices for those who have been marginalized in our culture and society? How can we 
um, continue to make sure the right voices are at the right tables? How, how can we use what God's given us for the good of the world? That's the question that I think the, the movie continually moves us toward. Okay, so one more clip. Can we do one more clip? One more clip, a passage of Scripture, and a question, and then we'll close it out. I love this last one. Hey, everybody. We're back with you to talk about this final scene from Hidden Figures. Sorry that we can't show it to you online because of copyright issues, but they are watching it in the room. We're here to kind of walk you through what's happening. So imagine with me, it's February 20th, 1962. It's the day of the launch of the astronaut, John Glenn. Yeah. Everything seems beautiful on the outside, mm -hmm. but inside Mission Control, it's total chaos. Yes. And they don't know what's going on, but the IBM computer is not giving accurate mm -hmm. calculations, mm -hmm. and everybody's nervous, especially John Glenn. Right. Is it go or no go? Because if he says he's not willing to fly, right. then the whole mission's off. Right. And so they're on the phone, Al Harrison and John Glenn, and John Glenn says, uh, get the girl. Have the girl check the numbers. Mm -hmm. And Al Harrison says, you mean Catherine? And he says, yes, the smart one. Have her do the calculations. If she confirms, then I'll, I'm ready to fly. Yeah. And uh, so then what happens? Well, so Al Harrison quickly sends an employee to go find Catherine. Now, Catherine's not just down the hall in the same building. This employee has to run half a mile away, kind of like what Catherine did in the first scene. Um, where she's running to the restroom. He now has to run to find her halfway across the campus, run down to a basement, find her in the middle of this chaotic room where they're all watching the launch, waiting for it to happen. And they say, Catherine, we need you to check these numbers. And rather than use an IBM machine, Catherine calculated, calculates it by hand. And you just see her kind of sweating it. She's stressed out. She's like, oh my gosh, I gotta confirm all these numbers uh, so that the mission can proceed as planned. So it was really kind of interesting to watch her sweat that out. She figures it out. And they run back. Yep. And then she's hands it over mm -hmm. the calculations and then the door shuts in her face. Yeah. Which feels like in the scene, like a slap in the face. Yeah. Because she just did everything that they needed to. Right. And you see her start to turn around and walk away. Mm -hmm. But Al Harrison comes, opens up the door, gives her a clearance card. Catherine, get in here. Yeah. And it's then really she's cool. there. And Mission Control, Cape Canaveral. I know. I mean, dream I, of a lifetime. I love seeing this scene because in this, in her face, you can just see how she walks in and she sees, oh my gosh, I had no idea the gravity of this mission, like the technology and all of the big screens and all of the people behind the desk, like she had been working so hard on this mission and she finally got to see it face to face and have a front row seat. And I just love that she had that kind of redemption story for that moment. Yeah. It's, it's a really great scene. Hope that you get a chance to watch the movie. Mm -hmm. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see what Matt has to say about this scene. Maybe, uh, maybe we should just watch the whole movie and then we can cheer all the way through it. And so did John Glenn make it back? You'll have to watch the movie <laughs> to find out if re-entry was it. I love um, when he said, have the woman check the numbers. I love that Al knew her name. Catherine? It was 
It was the name. Like the transformation from the beginning to the end was incredible. He knew who she was. He saw her. He heard her. And then he turned around to invite her back into the room that she thought she had been locked off from. Who's at the table? Who's invited? Um, when the early church Christianity was trying to figure out how do we function as a family, in a sense, the church was to be like a family. How do we function as a family? Um, Paul was writing and he said this, there are many parts but one body. So the, the picture he was giving was that of a, of a human body and, and all the parts that fit together for one purpose, the, the purpose of the body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. And then he says this, I love this, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Isn't that interesting? Um, I want you to think about some different environments that you're in. Uh, all of us at some point probably work uh, in a business or uh, for a firm. Um, I'm looking around the room at the different things that we do. We work with other people and people are around us. Hardly any of us work solo our entire lives. And here's the truth is that every, for a business to, to be successful, um, every piece is necessary. And in fact, some of the ones that seem the most insignificant are the most important. Um, there's a couple people here at McDowell that many of you maybe never see or hear from. Um, Ken Crosser is uh, the facilities. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's, our, he's our facilities manager. And uh, he's so often behind the scenes. This morning, as we were in here prepping for everything, he was walking up and down the aisles to see if there was any trash left behind because he wanted to make sure this was a clean environment for all of us as we enter into worship. No distractions. Pam Millar um, is oftentimes, yeah, yeah. In, in, this, uh, in this moment, we have... Uh, a few people back in the production room. We have a production room back this way. You probably never knew there was anything back there. There's a room back there so that we can make this moment available for those who aren't able to be in person and we can use technology. And so we have people back there pushing buttons and moving, I don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but they make sure that this is available for those who are streaming online. Aren't you thankful for the pieces that we often don't see? Well. The same is probably true for your business. So I wonder if maybe uh, one of the takeaways is for you to think through the people that are around you that maybe are unseen or unheard, and can you speak life into them this week? What about in your family? Every piece of the family is necessary, isn't it? And so I wonder if there's ways that you can honor those around you and make sure their voices are heard in your family unit, even if your kids are gone and you know, just to reach out, grandkids, all, all of that. Um, for students in the room, uh, I wonder if there, there are those in your school that oftentimes seem like they're on the outside looking in, and I wonder if there's ways that you can make sure they know they, ha they have a part. Um, so the question is this, are you using your gifts, abilities? And as I wrote this, I wanted to be really specific 
about something for me, and maybe this is for you too. Um, am, am I using my gifts, my abilities, the passions that God gave me for good in this world, am I, or am I simply using them for gain in my world? Do you see the difference there? Like for good in the world, or am I just worried about gain in my world? And how can I serve others by using what I have for good? In one of the most profound passages, and I'll, I'll close with this, one of the most profound passages of Scripture, um, Paul is trying to give us a vision of who Jesus is and the ways that we should live based on who Jesus is. And he says this, um, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests. So he's not saying don't look out for your interests. He's saying don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others as well. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. That's his encouragement for all of us who would claim Christ, who would want to follow Christ. But listen, I would think that regardless of what you believe about Jesus and regardless of what you believe about God, this is good, helpful instruction. This is the best way for a family to operate. This is the best way for a business to operate. I mean, this is the best way for our world to operate, that we wouldn't be selfish, that we wouldn't just try to show off, that we would be humble, we would think of others, that we would see other people's interests and not only our own, that we would have the same attitude that Jesus had, which was this. He came not to be served, but he came to serve others. So I think, you know, the movie pushes us nudges us in that direction to consider those who have been marginalized, set aside, those who are hidden and unheard, and how will we use our voices, how will we use our gifts for the good of the world around us? We're going to sing this um, last song together, and uh, they sang this a few months ago at our women's gathering called Bloom, and the name of the song is You Have My Yes. I love the name of the song, You Have My Yes. And it's this, almost this prayer that God, whatever you give to me or call me, you, you have my yes. And um, I think moms do this so well with children. Like you take these children, you um, sacrifice so much in those nine months leading up but then when you hold those children, it's like you're saying to God, you have my yes. Like, I will take this child. I will love this child. I will sacrifice for this child. God, you have my yes. I think it's a, such a beautiful picture of what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. So will you stand with me? God, in these moments, um, we're so thankful for your love, your grace, and your mercy. God, for all people, not just certain categories of people, but you uh, have a desire for all people to know your love and grace and mercy, your peace. You invite us all to the table. God, you give us gifts, you give us abilities. God, you give us voices that you call us to use. And so, um, as this song says, you have our yes. 
And whatever that means in our family, in our business, in our world, in our hobbies, God, I pray that you would just nudge us to serve others as Christ did. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.